Hello and welcome to this particular episode of the Economadia podcast. My name is Jorin and I'm the co-founder of Economadia and lucky you that found for some reason this piece of recording and will get you some interesting insights for sure in the next 30 minutes. Particularly because it's the first time that I'm recording this all by myself without having an interview partner. A little hint, this episode has been originally a talk that I was giving at the Rebuild online event in the end of April 2021. The Rebuild event took place for the first time and it is an online event for everyone who is interested in building regenerative villages. Honestly, I need to acknowledge that the organizers of this event did a really good job. So talking about this podcast episode with the fancy title Why Digital Nomads Need Regenerative Villages and vice versa, I will take you along into the following specific points. First of all, I will give you a brief walkthrough of what the flick is actually a regenerative village and which basic foundations its underlying concept has. Secondly, I will quickly tell you about the digital nomad movement as you might not be super familiar with the specifications of that niche. And I will also go into the challenging parts of this lifestyle, which especially within the scene is often kept silence about. And then I will shed some light on the actual question of this podcast episode. And I'm going to do that from both angles which is that I'm going to share with you why digital nomads need regenerative villages and then why the villages will also take advantage of their very presence. For those of you who are part of our famous, infamous Economadia newsletter, you belong to the even more lucky ones who will soon get also the direct link to the original talk that I've held at the Rebuild Summit. If you wish to belong to that illustrious circle too, well, I recommend you to sign up for it on our website, economadia.org. We inform you about relevant events, often we have some nice discounts for those events too, interesting rural co-working and co-living projects, which are especially now after the COVID-19 circumstances on the rise for sure, and we also get you involved into our Economadia Workation Program, where we organize planet experience for location-independent people who wish to meet like-minded economics and create deep real-life connections, not just always LinkedIn and Facebook, but offline. That's the best I can tell you. One last thing before we jumpstart, everything that is relevant to this podcast episode, you can find a link below the recording if you're on our Economadia website, but also on other services, you should find the according links in the description. So no worries, we never leave you alone. All right, ready to go? Let's hit the digital road. So when we talk about why digital nomads need regenerative villages, well, we need to first sort out what is a regenerative village, as I believe that this could be something you're not particularly familiar with, and also categorize it in perspective of location independence and the opportunities of remote work. Generally speaking, regenerative villages, or in the short version, regen villages, can be interpreted in different ways depending on who is talking. Maybe to get you a first rough picture, a regenerative village is to be seen as the opposite of a degenerative city. And nowadays, cities around the globe are pretty much that. Some people understand it as the next level of so-called eco-villages, where you grow your own stuff and live more self-sufficient and above all, healthier in an ecological sense. So for instance, when we talk about the living aspect here, we talk about housing solutions with strong tendencies towards eco-construction, renewable energy and green tech. Other people would more highlight the economical side here. That would mean that when we look at the example of the housing that I just mentioned, that those solutions are affordable. Compared with nowadays modern cities, current housing and planning are quite inefficient and are designed for landlords and investors who want to make some money, but not to our actual needs. I mean, honestly, nowadays cities are mostly ugly as fuck. And again, other people would point out the social aspect of such a setting. Again, in our modern cities, people are isolated, disconnected and experience a high level of stress and anxiety, especially 
after or actually still now during COVID-19. In a regenerative village, there would be much of a lower threshold of people getting in touch with one another, making connections and friendships. Whereas that should never be enforced, but let's say the whole environment of such a place would definitely suggest it. Of course, all of these areas, what did I say? Ecological, economical and social are intertwined and go hand in hand with each other. There are further buzzwords around that here, such as circular and decentralized decision-making systems, biophilic design, inviting people to participate in co-creation of their common spaces. Put another way, at the moment, we are living more in the sphere of maintaining and operating. So in the best case, we have not a too high carbon footprint or a less negative by making conscious choice of which product we buy. That's the existence mode, let's say. The potential mode, in contrast, goes into spheres of improving and ultimately regenerating. Let me give you a quick example that just pops into my mind. In order to keep the level of our life standards in our conventional life, our economy and GDP needs to grow something between 1% or 2% every year. So our life standard would decrease if no growth would be happening. That would be different in a regenerative environment. Here, growth and improvement means exactly that for all members and, in the ideal case, for people outside of this regenerative unit. You know, no investors that want to have their chunk of money out of something he or she is not at all connected with. Hey, before I'm going too far here, check out the links about regenerative villages in the description of this podcast episode for diving deeper in. Now, in the realm and perspective of Economadia, we want to look into and emphasize the opportunities of remote work of this whole shizzle. Just for the record, more and more people are nowadays able to choose where, how, and also with whom they want to live. And the key is because people can work remotely where they only need a working plug and reliable internet to begin with. And that's why we have nowadays the movement of people who call themselves digital nomads. So with that, we should also look quickly into the term digital nomads. I mean, whatever you call it, location independent, remote working, digital workers, digital nomads. Since I am personally living this lifestyle to a certain degree since a couple of years, and I'm therefore very used to it, I get caught off guard sometimes when I bump into people that have no freaking idea of what that means. Generally speaking, ever since computers got to the point of having a more or less portable size and Wi-Fi being available in sufficient quantity and quality in enough parts of the world, those people who already worked fully online anyway started out to take advantage of that. And they consequently discovered that it made no difference if they got their job done from an office in the US, from their home in, let's say, France, or a beautiful island like Bali, as a famous example among others, which has ever since turned out to be one of those so-called hotspots for those traveling laptop people. So basically, everybody who is a freelancer, employee, or entrepreneur who do all of her or his activity via the internet falls into that group. And over the years, we had then more and more pictures coming up in the social media channels where you see mostly younger people sitting with their laptops at their hammock, at the beach with a you know, cocktail or some under some palm trees, claiming that would be their office today. Recently, I even saw a picture where someone took it a little bit to the extremes, laying on a surfboard while ostensibly working on his laptop. I'm pretty sure that most of you have seen such pictures before and I call them what they are mostly are. Bullshit. At least for my part, I have never been really productive in the full midday sun. Sand in the keyboard is not really recommendable at all and even with the best battery at nowadays standards, you will have to charge your computer after a couple of hours latest. Not to mention that the internet connection might not always be the best at whatever picturesque beach. 
That said, there's definitely a big portion of shiny lifestyle which is trying to be sold on people and quite a bunch of those so-called digital nomads who love to call themselves like this tries to explain to those unlucky ones who haven't yet reached this divine lifestyle of how to get there. Just to get it right, for me personally, digital nomads and everything that revolves around it is as fascinating as deterrent at the same time. Again, I don't want to go too much into that, but rather wanted to make the point that especially now after the whole COVID-19 pandemic, well, not yet quite, but anyway, working from home or else working from anywhere else has experienced a massive acceleration. So it's definitely a phenomenon that is to be considered and has some very interesting potential, like for instance, the option of living in a regenerative village. One last point here. I think it's worth mentioning that this phenomenon of digital nomads is mostly applicable to the Western world as people have there an average more money available because of higher incomes and they often have a passport, which allows them to tip on a globe and just say, I want to go there. All right, I believe that point is covered and we should have a picture of this concept by now. All right, let's jump over to the next part, which is for the sake of the storytelling here, necessary to look a little bit at the not so famous parts here of this lifestyle, where there's often silence being kept about. Let's paint it in the sky for a second. You're one of those lucky and privileged ones that are living this kind of location independent, work more or less when and what you want lifestyle. Well, paradise on earth, right? Well, this sounds definitely more appealing than commuting to your office every day, fighting over the best holidays with some nasty colleagues and having to deal with a shitty boss. I can tell you that you definitely have some challenges coming along here too. Maybe the better challenges. However, and some people who are currently forced into working from home can confirm with me, it's surely not for everyone. My intention here is to give you an insight of the most common challenges when working remote from home, yada, yada, yada. The most common challenges are namely communication issues with colleagues or clients, not being able to unplug, and loneliness on social isolation. And I would like to dive a bit more into the last point here, the social isolation. One thing that surprised me a bit when doing my research here for this episode is that apparently younger people feel more socially isolated than the older generation does. I would have actually believed the opposite. Also, an important distinction that I want to make here is that loneliness doesn't necessarily mean to be physically alone, but feeling disconnected to the world. Let's look into real life and you know how it is. You know, some people do well with working just on their own, doing whatever freelance job or business, and they're actually totally happy with that and don't miss anything or anyone. Yet, the majority of us need other people around, either as a team or simply to have the feeling to actually not being socially isolated. We need the exchange of ideas, the collaboration, the face-to-face -face encounters, hanging out for a coffee, having a personal talk, getting feedback. We simply need some other people around us to one degree or another. Hence, simply put, loneliness is bad for you, physically as well as mentally. And studies show that people who feel, I repeat, feel, lonely are at higher risk of having anxieties and they're having an overall poor health level. So it's almost needless to say that having support from friends and family is important for our happiness and health and is also instrumental to our ability to share information, learn from others and seize economical opportunities. Well, how does reality look like? I mean, let me take a bit of an extreme example. Nowadays, we end up living in faceless big buildings in the city, hardly know our neighbors, surrounded by other big buildings, noisy traffic, and all that comes along with pretty high living costs. Why? Because until very recently, everything happened in the big city. This is where the jobs are, and there's people moving there. Well, we know that this is about to change in this very moment. 
Time to get to our initial question here, at least for the first part of it. Why do digital nomads need regenerative villages? Now let's connect the dots. The ideas for the technology for regenerative villages are there. It will need some pioneers for sure, but believe me, they are out there. If you had attended the Rebuilds online summit where I was originally holding this talk, you would have believed that the whole world is full of them. Remote work is nowadays becoming a mainstream phenomenon and it's no longer reserved to some few cyberpunks or whatever or overprivileged kids. In fact, these times are already 10 years ago, I would claim. Generally speaking, digital nomads would need regenerative villages due to the mentioned challenges they have to deal with, above all with the social isolation. Let me bring a couple of concrete points where digital nomads would benefit from this setting. Number one, ideally someone working digitally and arriving in this new place would be embedded in a thriving and proactive community right away, which means less effort to check out a new destination. You know, jumping around on meetups, bars, or whatever is fine, good to find some people. No, they have right away people who are familiar with the local details and also have resources that someone who is traveling light does not have. Allow me to give you an example that I have experienced myself when it became crystal clear to me. During the first corona wave, I happened to stay in Bali, which is maybe even the place to be for digital nomads. In the first month, I was having a relatively typical nomad life. I stayed in a co-working space with a lot of other digital nomads, and the only contact to locals I had was when I, you know, ate my nasu gurang for dinner or when I was looking for a place to stay. Other than that, I only stayed among digital nomads and foreigners in general. And I was honestly not very happy about that. Um, I'm having a backpacker background and I always mingled with locals, learned a bit of their language or even I learned it very well depending a bit on where and how long I stayed, made friends and I'm still having a lot of friends nowadays that I'm staying in touch with sometimes. Well, that didn't happen in Bali for me. And I guess it's not hard to understand if you're either hanging out of the screen all day long in a co-working space where, well, you do have some local staff around, but they are not representative in my experience. Or else you spend your time in bars and clubs to get wasted and try to get some Instagrammable surfer pics. In my second month, when things in terms of COVID-19 started to become more serious, I had changed location away from this area where all the digital nomads were hanging out and I met some locals and made friends with them. Okay, they were not exactly locals, some Indonesian people and some foreigners who lived on this Bali for long term. However, the experience was far, far different. They were quite entrepreneurial, had a workshop space with a bunch of tools around that I would have never carried in my 10 liters backpack. They knew the local surroundings much better, much different than any digital nomad dude would have ever done. And it was right away evolved into some local project that they had come up with. It was producing, you know, face shields with the 3D printers that they had around for Indonesian hospitals. I could fix some of my things that I had with me. They took me to places that would have been forever unknown to me. They helped me to have a much more local, real experience that I would have never, otherwise never experienced. And that's the essence. That's where the goal lies. Boom. All right, number two. Um, Next thing, which is in my eyes attractive about regenerative villages, and as, as a digital nomad, you would be in an environment that suggests you to do things other than just sitting on your technical device all day long. And I tell you, that's a very sneaky thing. It's admittedly fairly easy to get stuck in front of your screen if you don't have you know, a somewhat better alternative. However, if you have the options right on your doorstep, like hiking activities, helping with some helping hands in the garden or building something, taking care of animals which are around or simply preparing food together, well, I can tell you, you want to get your shit done and join the others out there. 
Number three, an important and also good point is that it takes anxiety of being socially isolated and the pressure to meet somehow new people, like I've mentioned before. Number four is that I also mentioned before that digital nomads tend to meet other digital nomads, which is more than understandable. However, it is very limiting at the same time. Take my example in Bali. Number five, going to a regenerative village means you would meet people outside of your digital nomad bubble from other areas of life. Let's say you would hardly meet and get in touch with children or elderlies as digital nomads are normally single people without any children. Consequently, through the contact to people outside of their bubble, I make the assumption they stay more grounded in general. I mean, I can tell you that when hanging out for too long time with those full-blood digital nomads only, geez, that can get into very specific and abstruse topics at time that, let me say, are not very connected to the real world, whatever that means again. So in conclusion, digital nomads would find an experienced and overall more balanced and healthier lifestyle, ideally. And I'm very sure that quite a few of them would be in need of that. All right, let's jump over directly to the perspective of a regenerative village project. You might think, no, well, nice for the digital nomads, but what's in for the people who live in that community? You know, what are the benefits from making the comfy nest available for those laptop people? That might be a bit less obvious at first glance. However, there are definitely good reasons. Let's look into them. Number one here, fresh new wind coming from outside. What I mean here are social innovations, technologies, or education. Some digital nomads are people who have great ideas or projects or connections that people inside the community don't have which are helpful for them to stay on top of things to get a perspective from someone coming from the outside. Number two, the same goes for knowledge in areas that is not existent in a community. Some digital nomads have knowledge in very specific areas or topics that they can apply for something at the regenerative village, which could be a major benefit for that place in the end. And I'm thinking here of things such as online marketing, website building, blockchain, video making, and so on and on and on. Number three, that's a very practical one source of income for the community. I think that's very obvious. Bear in mind that one factor why such intentional communities have failed in the past was that money part, or better to say, the lack thereof. Thanks to internet, that gap can be closed, attracting people who work remotely and enjoy living in nature. Point number four for me is that those digital nomads who are interested in community, who enjoy staying in nature and to connect to other people, are not those classic tourists, but stay for longer periods. At least to my best knowledge, when I was running the Economaria co-working farm project in the north of Portugal back in uh, 2017, that was very often the case. Anyway, we're not talking about the standard tourists that come for their typical 10 days holidays, but people who have this way of living as an integral part of their lifestyle. Point number five, including digital nomads adds a global layer to a community of regenerative villages. And I think this is a very important distinction to former intentional communities. Well, again, I'm thinking here of those eco-villages that were entirely locally based and organized and whatever not, but had no real global layer, as I would call it. Well, some places had volunteers getting in, which is certainly helpful in this regard. However, I would argue that this is not comparable to what digital nomads can bring in. If they are properly prepared and open-minded in the community, let me emphasize that. My point number six, that's maybe a bit more of a generic point. More variety of people overall is simply a good thing in all kinds of aspects. I mean, as little as a place can work by people who are all working in the garden, can such a place function if everybody's sitting in front of their computer all day long. But the mixture of those two extremes can lead to very fruitful results. 
And then the last one, number seven, digital nomads can be a good space holder if someone of the community wants or needs to be away for a while. That would be a typical so-called house-sitting and win-win situation for both parties. All right, that is it already. I'm sure that, you know, we could talk for hours about whatever details and so on. I could definitely do it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. It was, in fact, a little experiment as this was the first episode where I am having this monologue with no one else in here. If you like and have further interest about rural co-working and co-living, maybe you want to be part of these new type of villages, maybe you believe that life is too short for living between concrete and cars, or you simply feel connected to this topic, sign up for our sexy newsletter on our website, economadia.org. From time to time, we send you out valuable hot stuff about latest topics, events, and trends in the rural co-working and co-living underground scene. Also, we have an Economadia vocation program where we organize, well, you guess it, <laughs> vocations where you meet people of the same values and together we are going to spend an intense two weeks experience of co-working, workshops, activities, creating lasting bonds and friendships, talking about business, enjoying local source food. And all of that, of course, in a place where beautiful nature can be enjoyed while putting the focus on you getting work done, having stable internet and a decent co-working space. The idea here is to take you on a journey where you can dive into the feeling of living in a regenerative village project, knowing that you are with a bunch of people who want to experience the same. And let me tell you that I personally believe that this is only the beginning of what we see here. I can honestly imagine that we will see more of those, let me call them future villages, where the best elements of community, technology, location independence and living in nature will find their place. And as a little extra, we are sharing our exclusive list of most interesting co-working and co-living projects when you sign up for our newsletter. All useful links related to this podcast episode, you find them below here in the description. Many thanks for your attention. Have a good remaining day. I'm Joran from Economadia. Stay tuned. Bye-bye.